Hi, I'm Margie Namora, and welcome to the Desert Island Dishes podcast. This is the podcast where every week I ask my guests to choose their seven Desert Island dishes. These range from finding out about the dish that most reminds them of their childhood, the best dish they've ever eaten, and of course, the last dish they would choose to eat before being cast off to the Desert Island. I hope you're all well and that you've had a lovely week. So many of you have left a review this week on iTunes and it's given the show a little boost and it's made me so happy. So thank you very, very much. If you haven't yet left a five-star rating, now is your moment. And your good deed for the week could be recommending Desert Island Dishes to your friends and colleagues. I love bringing it to you every week and I really want to carry on doing so. So this is a lovely episode we recorded in Laura's dreamy house, which I've seen many pictures of online, but it's even better in the flesh. And her gorgeous whippet Barry sat with his head on my lap the entire recording, which just made it even better. We talk everything from cooking disasters, the best restaurants in London, the joy of cake batter and why we love bread. Enjoy. My guest today is Laura Jackson. Laura is a broadcaster and definition of the modern multi-hyphenate. In fact, she's been described by Work, Work, Work as a creative polymath with a career spanning food, fashion and TV. Since 2014, she started a supper club with her work wife, the other half of Jackson and Levine, Radio One's DJ, Alice Levine. The pair brought out their gorgeous cookbook last year in 2017 and have since gone on to design several ranges for Habitat. Welcome, Laura. Thank you for having me. You're so welcome. So you do do so many things. And as I said in the introduction, you are the true definition of a multi-hyphenate. When you sit next to someone at a dinner party that you don't know and they ask you what you do, what what do you say? Um, I maybe should say jack of all, master of none. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's hard, isn't it? People love that question. What do you do? It's like the first thing people yeah. like, I find it such a stressful question. It's really stressful because I think that it doesn't, it doesn't really matter but I guess I'm a broadcaster by trade that's what I started doing that's what I want to do and that's what I love but being a broadcaster has enabled me to do lots of other amazing things and through television I met Alice and we started Jackson Levine and because of Jackson Levine we've written a cookbook so I'm a published author which is brilliant because I'm dyslexic so I mean, I struggle with writing my last name down (laughs) Um, and you know we did collaborations with Habitat so you know, it's basically broadcasting is at the center and everything else kind of works around it, but it's very collaborative. Mm, It's so exciting. I I came across something that you said, which I thought was really interesting. You said at school, you're always told that you can't be all things to all people, but actually combining several careers, you know, you say that's definitely made you a much more rounded person. It's so true, isn't it? Yeah. I guess that like when I was at school in Huddersfield, like you'd go and see the careers advisor and they'd say, well, you could be a nurse or you could be a mechanic. And those jobs are absolutely brilliant. But I wasn't very academic. I was definitely more creative. I really enjoyed art and did drama and PE and food tech and DT. I loved doing stuff with my hands and being creative, but I didn't, I didn't really know what to do with that. So I studied events management at university, which my father says, four years organizing a party. Um, <laughs> that's such a dad thing to say. Oh my God. And the other thing he says is a polytechnic love. That's not a university. There's <laughs> that. But I think the world of careers, it's changed so much over the last sort of 10 years. And I wonder whether 
back at school now there's a recognition of that from the teachers that actually you don't just have to be one thing like you can you can you know have so many strings to your bow can't you yeah I think so I guess I mean the word influence didn't exist when I was at school the only thing is that's kind of a bit nuts I was listening to Radio 4 and they were saying that like in the 20s like about 20% of people wanted to be famous and now it's like gone up to like 90% (gasps) really but I think that what's great about the younger generation our generation is just we want more we want to see what's out there the world is so accessible now we can just jump on a plane and I don't know I think travel is one of the greatest luxuries that we have it teaches you so much and I I, um yeah I, I I always wanted to do lots of different things I remember saying I never want to have one desk I don't want to have a family picture on the desk and I don't want to have to go to this desk with a drawer with my pens in and that from from a very very early age that's what I used to say and I've managed to really carve out a career for myself that I'm really happy with and I'm still learning I'm still growing there's still so much that I want to do but I get up every day and I love what I do I love every job that I go to and that makes me really happy yeah that's literally the dream so you've lived in London for many years now but originally you are from Huddersfield West Yorkshire so let's talk a bit about the first desert island dish and that's the dish that most reminds you of your childhood I would say it's fish and chips because every Friday we'd got we go to the fish and chip shops and we get fish and chips and this isn't something that southerners seem to know but scraps did you have scraps no what are scraps okay scraps is like the batter that falls down from the fish all the best bits all the best bits basically <laughs> yeah so i used to have like fish and chips and extra scraps oh with loads of salt and loads of vinegar and loads of tomato sauce and then we'd take them home i'm i'm from a big family so there was lots of us around the table and we'd all still eat it in our in our paper which was really nice so i really remember fridays as being quite a like a fun time going after school with like my mum and stepdad to get a fish and chips oh but those kind of memories are the best and I think I read that you said that your mother is an amazing host do you have sort of great memories of her doing lots of entertaining yeah she's the best I we you know we had a lot there was I'm one of five I've got mum and a stepdad and and we had lots of family kind of coming in and out the house and lots of friends there and so it was super busy Um, but my mum always loved that and she always encouraged everyone to kind of come round and she was great at throwing dinner parties and I used to love waitressing for her she used to make the most delicious chocolate tour and I always used to like lick the knife (laughs) spoon fork plate bowl everything um (laughs) Of your childhood, you say that you lived quite rurally and after school you'd go out and play in the fields, which sounds pretty idyllic. Was making the move to London a difficult one or did you always know that you would eventually move to London? I don't think I did know I was going to move to London. I really, I'm so proud of being Northern. It really means a lot to me. Um, I love going home. Um, My dad's in Sheffield and my mum and stepdad are in Leeds and like lots of my school friends are still in Huddersfield, but I love city life as well. And I've actually taken to it like a duck to water and I don't know if I could (laughs) go back, which sounds terrible. Yeah, I do miss the countryside, but I love, I I love a busy house and I love hustle and bustle. So um, London's kind of perfect. Yeah, my mum used to blow a whistle when we were playing in the field for us to come back for dinner. (laughs) That's so cool. You couldn't imagine that, could you? Central London. What? (laughs) Let's talk about the second desert island dish. And that's the first dish that you learned to cook. 
Ooh, it was probably fairy cakes. I used to love baking at home, but my mum used to say, you know, why do you have to use every single utensil? <laughs> why is every cupboard door open? It was like a trail of destruction to the sink, basically. And more often than not, I did eat the batter before it went in the oven. It's very hard not to do that. I was a chubby child. What can I say? <laughs> but also Ooh. the batter... I mean, sometimes it's better than the finished result. What's it? better than raw eggs? Yeah. <laughs> raw eggs and some butter and a bit of sugar. It's delicious. Actually, I always used to make, you remember when Beauty and the Beast used to have milk and she used to, she just like put some sugar in it. Oh. I always used to make that. Okay. That's very strange. Yeah, that is strange. But those are the kind of things you do as a Yeah. Kid. And I used to sit, um, we had like this work counter and I used to play ABBA, Greatest Hits, obviously the best album. Greatest hits at the time. And I used to have smash with, um, with gravy from a packet. Oh my God. It was so good. <laughs> I felt like, I felt so alive in that moment. Like I am living my life. You need to read ABBA with smash. Yeah. What more could you want? I read a description of your school days in which you said school for you was split between the food tech rooms, the art department and the games field. I'm so envious because we didn't have food tech and I'm curious. Why is it called that? Is it sort of to what make it sound a bit more scientific? I know, obviously a really rubbish one. Technical food. I don't know, actually. Because was it cooking? Yeah, it was cooking, yeah. So, I don't know. Is it just to make it sort of sound like... I mean, I was in Huddersfield. Like they weren't trying to make it sound posh, were they? <laughs> <laughs> but you know um, what I mean? Isn't it a strange... I don't know. We'll have to ask Shelley High School that question. Um, let's get them on the line. Let's get them on the line. <laughs> I, do you know what? I loved and hated school. I loved school because it was a social gathering for me. Like I used to get told off all the time, stop talking in class. This isn't like, you haven't come here to socialize, Laura Jackson. I was like, I have. I see yeah. exactly why I'm here. What's everyone doing on Saturday? <laughs> um, but I, I, like, I really loved my friends and I've still got this, I've got my same group of friends now from school. And I, uh, yeah, it was just, it was kind of great fun, but I didn't, I wasn't very academic and I really struggled and I'm dyslexic. So I had extra help, but. Yeah, I, I really struggled with like maths and science and oh, yeah, it was absolutely terrible. And school is such a specific type of learning and, and it is really hard if you struggle with that. You're sort of made to feel like you're not good enough. But actually, there are so many different things that people can do in life. It's mm. sort of a really weird system that we have, isn't it? Yeah, it's really hard, actually, because I guess that if you're um, super academic, you also need to be catered for. Like if you're if you're really into maths or science or English, you know, you have to be catered for. But if there's people that do struggle and are dyslexic and um, learn in a, in, a, in a different way, they also need to be catered for. And I think that we're really brilliant at doing that. But the school syllabus is yeah. so archaic. But I was really lucky. I went to um, a really great high school where actually I, I didn't do geography or history because right. I... I said I didn't want to do it and I was rubbish. I'm absolutely terrible now and Google map everything, including going upstairs in my own house. But I mean, I did geography <laughs> at university and I also can't read maps. Who so. needs to know about fossils? <laughs> fossils, who cares about the fossils? Um, but no, I think that I think that we are definitely getting better. Education is key for everything, I think. You say from a young age and you've already mentioned that you knew you, you wouldn't be any good at a desk job and that you very much wanted to do something creative where in your own words, you'd be on your feet rather than on your bottom. So you went to study events management at university and you worked all sorts of jobs while studying in order to earn money. And you kind of fell into the world of broadcasting. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, I mean, I um, when I moved down to London, I did a, um, a course. So I went to, I went to Leeds University 
Polytechnic. All right, dad. <laughs> um, and um, I studied events management in my second year. I got the opportunity to do a work placement and I thought, great. And I'd seen this guy on Ready Steady Cook called Johnny Roxburgh. Yes. And he had an events company called The Admirable Crichton. Yes. And they seemed to do like really cool events and like dinners and parties. And I was like, whoa, I love a party. So like, this sounds so much fun. So I applied and I got an interview and then I managed to get the job. I don't know how, because I sounded so Northern that I actually wasn't allowed to answer the phone. No, or be true. Seriously. Or take out any of the duck canapes because oh my apparently God. my Northern twang on duck didn't sound very posh, oh my but I absolutely loved it. And I, and I, I worked so hard and saved money and, 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 um, then when I kind of stopped doing the events kind of stuff, I got a job at Shoreditch House on the door. I was saving to go traveling. And I thought, right, need to not go out and spend money. So let's do the night shift. Oh, graveyard. <laughs> and, um, and I really loved it. Like I met some incredible people and people now who go, I recognize you. Where do I recognize you from? Like the door at Shoreditch House. Oh, really? Is that true? It's true. I wish it wasn't true. But I made a good impression on people. Yeah, you, you had a big impact. Exactly. And, and so I, whilst you were doing that, were you sort of working towards trying to get on TV and and sort of working towards that? Or did you have a plan at that point? No, I had no plan. Okay. I just like wanted to like make some money and go traveling. Yeah. I'd, I like I've always really loved traveling. I mean, that is a good plan that's a good plan I yeah. think it's a good plan yeah um, and I met this really amazing man and I, you know I'd done kind of bits and pieces so um I don't know if you knew anyone that did this but like loads of my friends did like promotional stuff where they'd like hand out toothpaste in train stations or yeah. I mean I dressed up as a gin bottle at a festival <laughs> that kind of stuff <laughs> and I got through this promotion promotional company I'd got an audition to do an MTV show and and then I kind of got a taste for it and I was like whoa, I can get paid for talking to people. This is like the dream. <laughs> and I just get to run around like a crazy person. So I, I kind of got a taste for it. I met somebody who said, you would be great at presenting. And I'd just been for this audition. I was like, actually, I've just been for this audition. And um, I, yeah, I think this is something that I really love. So he put me in touch with my first agent. And then it kind of all went from there. Ah, that's so exciting. I love hearing how everyone, like everyone's journey is so different and there's yeah. sort of no one way. Mm-hmm. Let's pause there and talk about the third desert island dish. And that's the best dish you've ever eaten. Oh, it's really hard because I, I'm so, so lucky and I, I get to travel with work and I spend all of my spare time also researching where I'm going to travel to. But probably one of the, the best meals that I've ever had is in Mexico City. Mm just because the flavors are so punchy and fiery and hot and spicy. And I I love Mexican food. And I went to Mexico City for the first time and I had quite low expectations. I oh, really? Yeah, I didn't know that many people who had been. I'd read about the food scene, but I I couldn't ever imagine it would be like cosmopolitan like London. Sorry, I just didn't think it would be. Yeah. And I went there and I was blown away it was so amazing and we went to this place called maximo bistro which is in roma that's my mexican accent that's very good thank you (laughs) um language is not my strong point um and i had just the most incredible meal and i remember me and my husband looking at each other like this is really really good and then from there meal after meal after meal was like consistently brilliant and it was kind of one of those kind of 
brilliant cuisine trips that I didn't ever imagine I'd have. Oh, that sounds incredible. This is a very difficult question, but if you could only eat one cuisine for the rest of your life, which country would it be from? Italian. Would it? Yeah. Yeah, It's a good choice. Even though like Mexican is my favorite, I do like really simple flavors. I like good seasonal ingredients that really sing. Good answer. Um, So your first big break in TV came with Channel 4's hit music show, Freshly Squeezed. And you've gone on to present ITV2's Take Me Out the Gossip. You've interviewed some huge names such as Snoop Dogg. Um, You say that whilst you love the world of TV, it doesn't allow you the creativity that perhaps as an individual you need. Is that a fair summary of how you feel? Yeah, I think so. Like, I really, really love telly. And like being a broadcaster means doesn't mean everything to me that sounds really awful because I love my family and my husband but it is, means a lot to me like I love going to work and I love meeting new people and connecting with with people from all over the world that I wouldn't necessarily get to connect with but it doesn't always give me that creative outlet that I need yeah I thought that was really interesting when I came across that because it kind of I guess it means you're doing a really good job when you're on tv mm. but you sort of I don't know, from the outside, it does seem quite creative. And then when I read that, I thought, actually, no, I can completely see what you mean. Mm. You sort of, you've got parameters that you're sort of contained within, unless you're the creator of the show. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, what was great about the television shows that I have done, like I've really enjoyed researching for the role. I mean, not like you do when you're an actress, but if I'm interviewing Snoop Dogg or... And a character for Snoop Dogg. (laughs) I mean, yes, I did. I did rap. Um, No, but, you know, finding different things out about them. Like I like researching. I like spending time making sure that I do a good job. But I think that, you know, I can't draw a picture and give it to Snoop Dogg. I mean, I could. Yeah, I bet he'd love that. Um, <laughs> but it's just, it's just different. It's just different. And I, I, I don't think that I would never want to go, oh, I'm not going to do broadcasting anymore. I'm just going to do all this other stuff. I wouldn't be fulfilled. But then I don't know if I'd be fulfilled if I just decided I'm just doing broadcasting and not doing anything else. But then I don't think you can anymore. No. I think it's really important to be well-rounded and to educate yourself and for personal growth, be the most exciting person you can be. But for yourself, not for anybody else. Yeah, completely agree. And so you met Alice Levine back in 2014. And I think I read that when the two of you met, you were both sort of struggling in different ways to carve out your careers in in TV and radio. So you were both time rich. And I love that this was such a proactive thing that you did. And in many ways, it was quite a big turning point for you, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I think that... um, I remember going to meetings and when people kind of say, oh, what have you been up to? And then you're like, oh, I watched Jeremy Kyle. And yeah. then I like, moved over to Loose Women. And <laughs> then what are your interests? Oh, I like fashion. I like music. I, I, I just didn't feel like that was enough. And it wasn't enough for other people. Like it wasn't enough for me. I like to be busy and I like to kind of do things myself. And we both were the same. So we just decided that we were like, let's do something just us like let's call the shots like let's make our own creative decisions and we both liked food and we liked cooking for each other and we formed like this really lovely friendship so we thought well let's start a supper club not really knowing a what that meant b what it involved see how stressful it would be (laughs) um but yeah it kind of it 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 really just started because it was something that we were passionate about we didn't start and go right we're going to get a cookbook and we're going to do this and we're going to do that and we're going to work with this person it was just because we really wanted to throw ourselves into something and I think that that's always how the kind of the best things start yeah completely the best way and as you say 
the supper clubs then led to your book deal, which we're going to talk about. You've designed ranges with Habitat. And I wondered, a lot of the work that you do is sort of solo in some regards. How is it having a business partner and a business partner that's a friend? It's good. I mean, it's it, it, it's always, I th- don't think anybody ever does anything on their own, do no, they? That's true. So <laughs> it's kind of, I, I really like sharing things with people and it's been really nice to share this journey with Alice and all of the great things that we've done um, for Jackson Levine. It's really great to look over to someone and go, God, this is amazing, isn't it? And kind of uh, celebrate those kind of little glories and victories together. But I, I always love working with people. I hate doing anything on my own. Oh, really? I'm really bad. Quite a social person. Yeah. yeah. I, but although it annoys me because people go, oh, it's really important to spend time on your own. I'm like, says who? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, who made up this rule? I'd really like to meet this person. Is that, is that what the saying is? That's apparent. Apparently oh. it's the thing. Well, what they say that if you can't spend time on your own, why would anyone else want to spend time with you? Oh <laughs> Which is God. always who another is this, classic who one. Who is isn't this it? person? <laughs> I'm like, I think because I grew up in a busy house and then when I moved to London, I like always lived with people and I lived in a house with six people. I used to go to the toilet with the door open. I, you know, I just didn't like doing, I, you know, I didn't like doing anything on my own. Now I have Barry here. Yeah, Barry's the best. The best. Um, on, on, on the business side of things, are there any big lessons that you feel like you've learned along the way? If you would go back in time, is there anything that you might do differently? Oh gosh, I'd probably do loads of things differently. Do you think? Yeah. I think communicating is really important and it's really important to know that just because you're good friends with somebody doesn't mean that you have the same view. Yes. Doesn't mean that you have the same opinion. You're not the same person. And, um, and that's sometimes been really great for Alice and I because she's seen things that I haven't seen and vice versa. And we've seen opportunities and we're like yin and yang like that. Um, but then it is difficult working with another person because you both have got loads of ideas and you need to kind yeah. of rein those ideas in. But I, yeah, ev- everything's everything is a lesson, and I'm I'm growing every day. And I don't think I never want to stop learning, and I never want to stop growing. Yeah, let's talk about the fourth desert island dish, and that's your favourite sandwich. Well, that would be a toaster sandwich because I love a toasting machine. Okay, the I'm cheaper the better. Yeah. And it would be on really simple white bread with just cheese and tomato. Ooh, yes. Yeah. Good answer. I just love like a really basic cheese toasty yeah. with a cup of Yorkshire tea. Oh, yeah. So, so good. Also perfect on a day like today. I know. So miserable. I feel like this is going to be a good opportunity to ask you a little bit about your little black book of favorite places. Mm-hmm. I know that you're a big fan of the Hidden Hut in Cornwall, but tell us about your favorite restaurants. What are they and what should we be ordering? I always go to Duck Soup in Soho. Ooh. It's the best. They change their wine list and um, food menu daily, which I think is very exciting because if you go a lot, you're like, yeah <laughs> hang on a minute i had that last week <laughs> um they only play vinyl records and they have a really great collection of music and you can change the records if you want but ask nicely um it's really small and it feels very new yorky uh, and it's kind of it's a place that i default to on a regular basis for something a bit more zhuzhi i do like cuvadas oh, yeah. yeah i go there quite a lot barafina for some spanish food hoppers in oh, soho yes. And I just went to Cornerstone this weekend. I and I, That was really, really, really good. 
good recommendation. I was too busy chatting to take any photos. That's kind of a good sign, isn't it? Yeah, I think that is a good sign. But um, to have like a restaurant like that in Hackney, around, around, basically around the corner from where I am, is exceptionally exciting. Yeah, London at the moment does feel so exciting when it comes to food, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. I think we've come a really long way. Yeah. <laughs> People used to laugh at British food. I now know. it's like, we're on the map, guys. Yeah, I don't think they're laughing anymore, are they? No. Absolutely not. This might be a strange question, but if you were to take a whole day and you just got to sort of eat your way around London, starting with breakfast, lunch and supper, maybe some cocktails after supper, what would that day look like? Oh my gosh, that is the hardest question (laughs) ever. I might go to Bread Ahead first. Yeah. And maybe get like a donut and a coffee and have a little walk around Borough there are Market. A few, yeah, there are, but there are a few bread aheads now, There's aren't there? There's a few, yeah. yeah. Original Borough Market. I did have a donut for breakfast. I always feel really guilty saying that, but it was so good. I mean, how is that any different to toast? Or it's basically toast? the same as toast. I think it is. It's toast. It was yeah. toast. Um, I'd start, yeah, in um, Borough Market, bread ahead. And then I would probably go to that Mexican restaurant, El Pastor. Oh, yes. El in Borough. Yeah. Yeah. About midday. Yes. So this is like my pre-stat. Okay, yeah. With a mezcal margarita. Yes. Okay. <laughs> oh dear. And then um, I would go to Luca for my lunch. Ooh. Probably get a tortellini or some sort of wild boar ragu pasta with a nice glass of red wine. And then I would walk into town and I'd get an ice cream from Jalupo, probably a blood orange sorbet. Okay. By the way, I've had no time to prep this question, yeah, no. which is very worrying because I've literally <laughs> food mapped my whole life. Then I'd probably pop over the road to Bocca de Lupo. I mean, why not? Why not? As we're there. Probably get some Padron peppers, um, <laughs> a glass of white wine. I'm just going to mix my drinks all day. No why one's going to judge me. No judgment. And then I might go to Hoppers for a early dinner and just get a light Hoppers. Yeah, something a small. Snack. Just a little snack. Just a little snack. And then I would finish my dinner um, in Peckham at 11. Ooh. Good option with a beer and those like amazing cheesy fries that they have. Yes. Oh, I'm that full. Like, yeah, that sounds like quite a day. I'm full <laughs> and I feel slightly sick. <laughs> this year has been amazing for you. You've been designing clothes as well as homewares, and it all just looks amazing. I wanted to ask in particular about the homewares for Habitat. That must have been so much fun to do. Oh, I loved it so much. Yeah, I really loved it. It was brilliant. And we got to work with um, Martha, who's the designer at Habitat, and she is just incredible. And she really brought our ideas to life because it's all right going in with a mood board, isn't it? And being like, I like this color and I like this. But actually bringing it to life for a consumer is a real skill. And she did just that. She brought our ideas so that they looked great on the shelf. Yeah. It was brilliant. And did you get to go? Because lots of the ceramics were from... Italy, yeah. yeah. Did you get to go? So the first um, collection that we did was textiles with um, cardi cloth, which was in India. And unfortunately, we didn't get to go on that trip. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Next time. Next time. <laughs> but that was a really lovely collection. And I use the tea towels all the time. We did these striped pinnies. And, and lots of that material is sort of n- not dying out, but it's sort of, it's very rare, isn't it? Yeah. So it's kind of amazing to be able to use that. Yeah. And that's the reason why we did want to use it. So we found a really small village. Um, I think it was about a couple of hours outside of Delhi where the women were spin- spinning cardi. So that's where we got our cardi cloth from. So it's got a really nice story to it. And then we kind of, made it British by adding screen prints of British herbs with a kind of a grey pinstripe running through it. Yes, that so was, cool. It was really lovely. It was really, really nice. But for the next collection, we kind of went young, bright, colourful, poppy, fun. 
and we did face plates. So I went on a holiday. It's kind of my honeymoon. I don't want to say minimum because I really hate that word. <laughs> a small holiday after I got married um, to Italy. And we went to this ceramic shop and they had the most incredible pieces, like pinks and reds and splatter plates and marbling, just things that I'd not really seen before. I was so amazed. I must have spent a lot of my wedding bunny and got some plate <laughs> shit back and then when i got home and we were chatting about where we were going to have this collection made polly who was the creative director at habitat at the, t- at the time said you've just been to italy to the shop and this is what where i would love for you and alice to do the collection no way. and what I, are the chances what are the chances and i'd actually been messaging alice the whole time I was there going oh, you need this plate look at this jug isn't this cup amazing <laughs> so she was like i really want to do it there as well and they have a house style. So face plates are something that they've been doing for about 45 years. And we wanted to be kind of kind to their house style, but also modernize it and update it and make it more JL. So we did a woman for our face plate and we did it in kind of um, our favorite colors. And we got, and we got to go over there and spend the day in the factory so working cool. with the ceramicists. Yeah. They did. Uh, they're amazing. They're absolutely amazing. And some of them have worked there their whole life and they're, fathers worked there and now their sons worked there oh it's yeah. so cool it really meant a lot yeah well it's a beautiful collection so it was Thank really you so much the fifth desert island dish what's the dish you eat the most often jarred beans from brindisa Ooh. obsessed how how do you have them straight from the jar <laughs> <laughs> i mean i'm not a heathen <laughs> a, I, I so i fry off some shallots with some garlic and then I'll add the beans and then I'll do kind of like roast tomatoes with it or leeks, lots of kind of fresh herbs, salt and pepper, and then parmesan on top. So a little bit like a risotto basically, but using the beans instead of a risotto rice. Yes, I love that. Yeah, it's just really quick and easy. My husband's vegetarian. And I was going to say, are you, but you're not vegetarian. I'm not vegetarian, no. no. I don't eat a lot of meat though, but if he comes home at nine o'clock, I don't, I mean, I love him, but I don't really want to start making dinner at nine o'clock. No. And you don't want to start cooking an actual risotto. So that sounds like yeah. a very good, like middle ground. Exactly. Yeah, delish. Okay, so let's talk about the supper clubs and your book, because the book is called Round to Ours, and it's a collection of menus for different entertaining occasions, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah, because that's what we always got stuck on. And that's what people always used to ask us. Oh my gosh, I've got five people coming around for dinner on Friday. What do I cook? I'm working in the day, so I can't spend, yeah. you know, all morning, all afternoon cooking and, and shopping. So we wanted to kind of make that our USP because all of our friends were coming to us asking us those questions. So we wrote the book on that. Yeah, I love it. It's sort of more than just a recipe book. It's it's really very helpful. And it's really beautiful because it is it's more than it's about more than just the food. So you talk about the music playlist that you would play and the table settings, which are so important because we eat with our eyes before we ever even taste the food. There's been a lot of talk about the death of the dinner party Mm. do you think people are entertaining less than ever before i think that they were but i think it's back yeah i think so too yeah but in a different it doesn't look like how it did when our parents were doing it no although i wish it did i love those like giant jello fishes yeah (laughs) and it was sort of you you had to serve three courses and it was all quite rigid then i feel like it's much more about having a good time yeah i don't know i uh, my mum always had dinner parties so it's not a new thing to me yeah and when I was at um like uni or when I was working like inviting people over for dinner wasn't 
wasn't like a crazy task. Yes. It wasn't like completely out there. So I've always really liked having people over. And then I've always put a napkin out because I thought that that was like the nice thing to do. I don't know. I've just, it's always been a big part of my life. So yeah. I think that, I think that more people are spending, um, spending time at home and wanting to kind of cook and impress friends and as someone who has hosted a lot of dinner parties does that mean have you had any cooking disasters i have cooking disasters all the time (laughs) tell us about them laura i'm not a chef i just like cooking and i'm probably not any better than my next door neighbor than cooking but i just really love it and i'm super passionate about it and for me it's the whole package so it's inviting people over like curating your own guest list creating your own soundtrack for the evening getting the flowers laying the table designing the menu like I get such a kick out of reading a cookbook yeah but I just practice and people god I don't know how you do it but that's the point anybody can and I think that's what's brilliant about the book we kind of give you those tools and that confidence to to be able to host your own dinner party with some kind of tips and tricks yeah definitely and also I really love that kind of the message going through it like obviously there are such delicious recipes in there but it is very much like don't stress too much about mm. the food like it's meant to be fun yeah and at the end of the day it's just food just do it like yeah. do you know if it all went wrong i wouldn't feel ashamed or embarrassed if i had to go and get a pizza if i got a pizza i tell you what i'd probably put some candles in it tear my own basil on top yeah it really wouldn't be the end of the world no. and also be such a good story that's the thing exactly and also failures in the kitchen in life they make you who you are it's important to fail yeah with cooking if you're scared of it going wrong i feel like you'll just never get to the next level because you it means you just aren't doing it enough no exactly well i had a supper clip here um a few weeks ago and i made my butterscotch custard creams five times before i was happy with them and not even before i was happy with them before they were right (laughs) (laughs) on that note we're on to the sixth desert island dish and that's your go-to dinner party dish always lamb it's so easy yeah a slow 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 roasted shoulder or leg of lamb so if i'm cooking on a saturday night I'll put it in the oven on Friday night before I go to bed. It's really, really low. So basically when I wake up, it's done. And that's your main course sorted. Yeah, such a relief. It's such a relief. (laughs) And then like a dauphinois potatoes, again, you can make that on the Friday or you can make it on the Saturday morning. I think I like recipes that are easy but look complicated. Oh God, yeah, that's the dream. It's all about the garnish, let (laughs) me tell you. (laughs) And would you serve a starter or are you more like a nibbles kind of person yeah i would serve a starter but i like to have things that are sharing mainly because it's easy for me in the kitchen rather than like plating a million plates up yeah but i think there's something really nice about asking your neighbor to pass you the salad or telling your neighbor that i don't like asparagus what do you mean you don't like asparagus it's such a good icebreaker definitely and i think that when you've got your own plate of food it feels a bit independent i don't like that i want everyone to rely on other people pass me the wine (laughs) give me some more bread yeah no it definitely makes for a lovely atmosphere and what would you make for pudding like what did you have for pudding at these supper clubs so i did the butterscotch cream and they were individual dishes i really like doing like a chocolate mousse chocolate mousse in the middle of the table then whipped cream on the top Ooh, like a, a big one like a big one yeah and letting mm. everyone help themselves or you can't be a pavlova oh yeah the thing is if you don't think that you're very good at making meringues i mean i've failed miserably a lot at meringues if you don't think that you're very good and you're not very confident, then just buy some from the shop. Nobody's going to judge you. This doesn't come down with me. They're not coming up yeah. to the bathroom going, oh, 
I'm going to give Shelley one out of 10 tonight. <laughs> she didn't make her own meringues. Also, Just don't put the wrapper in your own bin. Exactly. <laughs> I was going to say, you really don't have to shout about the fact that you bought it. Lemon tart. No, no, no. Oh, I it looks it. very similar to the M&S lemon tart, but no. Um, so we have a cookbook corner on Desert Island Dishes oh. and sort of like a collection of people's favourite cookbooks. What's your most treasured cookbook? That's really hard because I'm fickle and I like a different cookbook every a week, a month, maybe. And do do you collect cookbooks and read them or do you use them to cook from? Is it more sort of like inspiration or are you a recipe follower? And both, actually. I think that, um, so for instance, um, I'm home this weekend and I don't get to be home all weekend a lot. I know, really love having people over and cooking. So like last night, I'm watching This Is Us. Have you seen Oh, yes. So good. I'm obsessed. Yeah, it's so good. It's so emotional. Yeah. I'm an emotional wreck. Yeah, it really is. Why isn't Jack my husband? Why isn't Mandy Moore my friend? We could go on for ages about that. They're the best. Um, But I kind of sat in bed and and watched that and read my cookbooks. And I just get uh, just inspiration on every page. And every cookbook's different. I love things like Shape Anise and Zuni Cookbook because they're just absolute classics. Um, And they just show you that you can create something really beautiful and really simple from a, an, a good ingredient. Yeah. So, you know, what I was reading the other day, something like um, fruit and cheese is is really simple, really amazing. You can have it on your table. But the di- there's a difference between buying your supermarket cheddar yeah. and a pocket pear than <laughs> buying something that's that's um, seasonal you've got from the greengrocer and a really beautiful cheese that you've got from the cheesemonger. They're two different things. Yes, I, that is accurate. So you kind of <laughs> need to get your head around that. Yeah, that's true. Ingredients are key. Yeah. I once watched the best come down with me. Ooh, this is brilliant. Tell me. And she was making a raspberry Kool-Aid and they were like, oh, Sheila Sheila Shelley I love all the (laughs) Sheila what's in your Kool-Aid she was like oh my god it is amazing it's jam and water she made a Kool-Aid out of jam and water and I thought I don't know whether to applaud you or to feel stressed about everyone sat around that table (laughs) and they all loved it no they didn't oh they were just like what is in here yeah well on that note we're on to the final (laughs) seventh desert island dish what is the last dish you would choose to eat before being cast off to the desert island probably just really good bread and really good butter okay i love bread and butter yeah i'm such a sucker for it <laughs> that's so lucky that i brought you a sourdough i know you did <laughs> but how good is good butter it's the best not that like spreadable no stuff. no um yeah just really good bread and butter with a sprinkling of like mold and sea salt mm. i am a simple yeah that's you'd, would you like a pudding to follow your bread and butter or i probably just do a chip butty Actually, yeah. yeah, I'd probably just get some like really good chip shop chips with the scraps. Sandwich. Yeah, oh, with scraps and sandwich it. I used to work at a pub and I used to eat the tartar sauce out of the jar. Oh God, I'm so disgusting, aren't I? <laughs> I'd love to tell you that none of this is true. It's all true. I am this disgusting. I feel like we've got some exclusives here, I know. Laura. Um, well, with that, we're going to cast you off oh. to the desert island. Thank you so much for letting us hear your desert island dishes. Thank you. So there we have it. Another delicious episode. I knew straight away which dish I was going to recreate for the website. So head to desertislanddishes.co to get your hands on it because it's a really good one. If you're listening and you haven't yet left a review, please do as it really does give the show a little boost and you will make my day. Thank you so much for listening. Come and say hi on Instagram at Margie Nomura and I will see you next time. Bye. Bye.